our speaker this morning, Michael Kuba. If you know him, he, he finally goes by Kuba. Um, he spent nearly 30 years in the ministry, most of those being in youth ministry. Whereas most people would, after that period of time, decide, you know, it's time to, to retire. He decided to go back and get his master's degree in counseling and become a licensed professional counselor. He is in the middle of his grueling 3,000 hours that he's completing to finish, finish the requirements to meet his, to meet the requirements to get his full licensure. And he's well on his way. He's a two-man, I mean a two-time Ironman finisher. And uh, rumor has it he may be training for a third. But that describes his personality in, in so many ways. He's bold, he's daring, he's persistent in everything that he does. Also want to mention his wife, Stacy. Um, she came on board recently as our office manager as well. He, she has done a fa fantastic job. She has a true heart of service and desire to help those that are hurting. Um, if you hang out with Kuba much, he'll, he'll just put you on the spot and ask you, what are you grateful for? And you know, it might be first thing in the morning, you're just tired and not thinking about much. And, he has a heart of, of gratitude that just oozes out of him. So this morning, Cuba, I am grateful for you, and I'm grateful for the message you're about to bring us. Good morning, church. I am super excited to be here, and so thankful for the elders for this invitation, and David, wherever you are. Oh, am I on? Yes. Did y'all hear what I said? Good morning, church. Okay. I'm super excited to be here today. I just, just want to make sure. If you don't know me, uh, one of the things, I get up like this, just just stoked already. And Well, actually, I get up mad. The first thing I do is I start off my day angry. Because I wake up and I'm like, oh, man, I'm still here. I'm not in heaven. All right. If I'm still here, you must have a reason for me, so let's go. And I just get excited to go out and be about God's business. And so thank you for having me here this morning. Did you know that it is not possible to not communicate? Go ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> try it. And the harder you try not to communicate, the more you communicate, right? In fact... Do we have the, the first line? Dude, that's... I need... Yeah, one more. Effective communication, they say, is broken down like this. You know, you got the verbal, and you got the nonverbal, and you got the tone of voice. You got, the point is, communication is more than just a dis, the, the dissemination of, of information. You have the what... And then you have the how that says the what, and you say it one way, it can mean totally different if you say it another way, right? Then you have the intent behind the what and the how, and then you have the emotion in front of the intent behind the what. Behind. You see how it can go from bad to worse in a real hurry. In fact, you can communicate a lot of things without saying a word just by giving a look. You have the look of surprise, the look of shock, the look of hungry, the look of, oh, getting out of the poor pitiful me, the look of, I mean, there's all kinds of looks, right, that we give and that we receive. But there's this one look that is the king of all looks. 
This look has been perfected by wives and mastered by moms, and it is known as the look. You're giggling because you've gotten the look, haven't you? Can we, can we, you just got, have to keep up, I guess, uh, the, the, just go wherever you go and I'll follow you. You've gotten the look before just by your giggles. I know that you have. And you know when you've gotten that look. You don't have to question it. You don't have to ask. You don't have to wonder if you got the look. And sometimes, you, in fact, I'm probably receiving that look right now. But I'm not going to look at her because you can just feel the tension, right? You don't even have to look the way. and It's like eyes burning in the back of your head. You can just, oh, I'm getting that look. Early in my youth ministry career, I, I tended to get a lot of looks from um, parents, uh, moms. And this one particular, I don't, I don't know why they were so angry, but I, I was driving a back you know, a 30-minute trip from somewhere, youth rally, and I had a van load of teenagers, and we were, and it's night, it's 9 o'clock at night, and I see this hitchhiker, and I'm thinking, what would Jesus do? And so I pulled over, and <laughs> the teenagers in the van just, like, zip, and you didn't hear a word out of them, and this guy got in, and they're like, Kuba, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm being Jesus, come on, and, and I take him all the way to where we're going. I get there, and oh, man, you talk about some looks. I got in trouble that night, and don't, don't you dare put my kid in jeopardy. I'm like, what? what? And, I, and then the elders had to call me in, and they gave me looks, and I'm like, and they're like dude, come on, man. And, I'm, and I, I mean, all throughout my career, I had cops called on me. I had one, of, one day, our, I mean, our church was, one church was located next to a funeral home, and I had a youth rally at our building, and I'm like, oh, this is a cool idea. So I walk over to the, the funeral home. I'm like, hey, can I borrow a casket for our church? And he's, and he's like, did somebody die? And I'm like, no, 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 I, I have a youth rally. And he goes, what? Whoa. And, and boy, that, I got some looks on that one. I some triggered some people. And Anyway, it made me kind of think of how we grow up with these looks. And then when we grow up with these looks, we kind of transfer these looks or these ideas to our God. For example, if you had an authoritarian parent where they just put the thumb down on you and, and you couldn't do anything, sometimes we thought God is like that too. Or if we had a permissive parent where he just let us do anything and have fun, we kind of thought God would do that too. And those looks that we receive from our moms, our, our wives, our, our neighbors, whoever, we kind of transfer those to God as well. And I wonder, I wonder if heaven were to look at us and, and, and look at us, what would that look look like? Sometimes our only relation or only reference in relating to God is our earthly experiences like we just talked about. But there's a problem when you attach a human face to God. We also tend to attach human reason, human thinking, human wisdom, uh, human looks to his ways, and, and that's not really the case. What would heaven's eye look like if it looked deep into our soul? Would you be fearful or would you be glad? One of the things I look forward to, and I thank Craig for singing this, is seeing Jesus' face. I cannot wait. What happens when we see Jesus' face while on earth? 
That's what we're going to look at this morning. And I, my goal is to see what God sees when he sees us from his word, not from our just, our just experiences. So let's, let's begin with a word of prayer, please. Father God, we thank you so very much for today. We thank you for the opportunity that we can be gathered together to encourage each other, to edify each other, to, to sing praises, to worship, and to be before your presence, knowing that your eyes are locked onto us. And as you look at us, help us to see the kind of thing that you are communicating uh, deep into our soul and help us to respond in a way that would help us to walk out of here changed, walk out of here different, walk out of here stronger than when we came in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's begin in John chapter 1, or our scripture reading this morning, and I don't know if you noticed when you read scripture, sometimes we tend to read it real fast or, or just skim over it because we've read it so many times. But there's just there's that one word, that looked word uh, in, in the passage. I don't know if you saw it. When uh, you, you, the mouth, let's go to the next slide. The, uh, Peter is known as the, the mouth of the disciples. He was that impulsive one, that, bur- that courageous one, the brave one. Always put his foot in his mouth, right? Always thought before he spoke. I mean, uh, spoke, yeah, spoke before he thought. Is that right? Spoke before, he, yeah, he, he acted before he thought about it, and then, he, you know, that, that kind of guy. Well, when he, when he had a brother, Andrew, who, intro, who met Jesus, you know, with John's apostles, and then he said, oh, man, i got to introduce my brother. So he goes and gets Peter, and he said, uh, turn to the, the first passage, and that verse, verse 40 through 42, is where our scripture reading was, but I don't know if you noticed it, when Jesus, Andrew said, if we found the Messiah, come find him. And, and, and it says, Scripture says, and Jesus looked at Peter. What kind of look do you think that was? And if you, if you were to meet Jesus right now, I mean, he came face to face with you and looked at you, what kind of look would he be giving you? I mean, would you like, oh, go away from me, Master? Or, or would you be like, hi, Jesus? I mean, like a little child, or would you, would you, would you tremble in your shoes? When he looked at you. And what kind of look was he giving Peter? Like, hmm, should I or shouldn't I? Kind of know what you're going to be like uh, later down the road. I don't know about this. You know, Jesus was obviously, when he looked at him, he changed his name to to Rock, uh, Petro. So he saw something in Peter that probably Peter never saw himself. And that's, that's the kind of Jesus we have, is he sees in us things that we never see. And he, you know, that's why he changed his name. So it's just interesting, that look. And then, and then Peter had all kinds of looks as he went throughout the ministry of Jesus. He saw Jesus give, give tons of looks. The kinds of looks that he gave to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The kind of looks that he gave to the multitudes. Uh, the look of compassion. The look of rebuke to Peter. Peter got the look of rebuke when he was sinking in the water. And, you know, oh ye little faith. And the look of, of, of hunger and the look of... Jesus must... I mean, uh, Peter must have seen all kinds of looks from Jesus. And then we get to the last meeting between Jesus and Peter. And I want us to really... Look, no pun intended, at this passage very closely. When Jesus is being tried uh, in the, the high priest's house, well, let's just read it, verse, uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. That's Jesus. Peter followed at a distance. And... Um, when some of them had got, uh, kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw 
him seated there in the firelight, she looked closely at him. I mean, I mean she looked really close to whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, and what did she say after that look? Uh, this man w- was with him. And so Peter got that look, and he, he responded, no, 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 I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, 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 I denied it. I don't know the man. And then a little later, someone else saw him, which implies that person looked at him as well and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. And then the third time, about an hour later, somebody asserted, asserted because they probably uh, implied, looked at him. What kind of look did he give? Uh, certainly this fellow was with him for his Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about after receiving three different looks. Maybe those looks were the same kind of, God, what kind of look do you think that was? Like, I mean, have you ever been caught like that? And somebody just staring you down and just like, oh, I know who you are. I know what you did. Oh, man, we don't like those looks, do we? And then look at the last look. Peter, after he said, I don't know what you're talking about, just then two things happened simultaneously. The rooster crows, and at this time Jesus is being led out of the high priest's house. And look what it says. He turned and looked straight at Peter. Wow. What kind of look do you think that look was like? Peter had just denied him. The rooster is crowing like Jesus said it was going to do. And Jesus is now locking eyes and looking straight at Peter. Think about your answer about what kind of look that must have been. And then match that answer to the Jesus that we read about in Scripture. Does that match? Is that really who Jesus is? To give a look of disgust, disdain, disappointment? How dare you? I'm upset with you? What do you think? You see, when we look at this story, sometimes we we point fingers. And we can't say we wouldn't have made the same decision Peter did because we weren't there. We don't know, but... We do make similar denials every day, don't we? And we don't even have to do it with a word. We just do it with our looks. You know, when when somebody somebody is sinning, a brother of ours is sinning, and we look at them or or look at somebody else and say, Well, my sin's not as bad as theirs. That that righteous, holier than thou look. Or the look of, of guilt and shame when you get caught and doing something you didn't, you know, you shouldn't have been doing. Or when somebody sees you in a place and you're embarrassed, that, that look and you're trying to save face. I mean, we give looks all the time. And I wonder if we spend all of our time giving, receiving, and deciphering looks that we're actually missing the look from heaven. That one word, look. Go to that next slide, please. That one single word can mean so much in the English language. But in the Greek language, it's different. And we don't see that sometimes when we read our English Bibles. For example, in Webster, the word look can mean 9, 10, 12, 15 different things. So you don't really know what it's talking about unless you read the context, right? But in Luke, cha- I mean John chapter 1, verse 42, that word look... When Jesus looked at Peter and changed his name, it, 
that means look into, consider, take special interest in. That's the kind of look Jesus was giving Peter of, you know, a curiosity of, wow, you're, you're special. You're an important guy in this. And he's taking special interest in who Peter's character is. And then in Luke 22, that word means a direct gaze, a look steadily, a stare down. That's, that's the, girl, the girl look. You've, you've seen that look, right? You know what that look looks like when you just get just bored through with those eyes. But then the last look, if you look up the Greek definition for that one, it means change, converted, directional alteration. When Jesus looks at us, no matter what we've done, where we are, how good we are, how bad we are, it's the same look. In fact, Romans chapter 2 says that God's look God's, uh, God's intention is to bring us to our knees, to bring us to repentance, to bring us to change. In fact, let's, cl- let's close out our lesson with, well, this verse, and then we've got some more verses. But look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I just want to read uh, starting in verse 9. Because this is the kind of look that Scripture is wanting to, to, to convey. Um, Yet I know I am happy, uh, uh, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. That's the key. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and, were so, and so we were not harmed in any way. Here it is. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow is just feeling bad that you got caught and you don't do anything about it. Godly sorrow not only feels bad that you got caught, but does something about it. Keep going. The look of heaven is designed to, to lead us to verse 11. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. That's the look that heaven gives us. No matter our condition. Do we see that? And so... Sometimes when I am stuck in myself and I'm in that down, that depressed state, that, that especially when I've done something bad or feel like I've denied Jesus, and, that, man, I'm just like, Peter, I just want to run and hide, and I don't want anybody to talk. I just, oh, I'm so shamed. When I get in those states, do you know what helps me? Scripture. Just hearing Scripture. So sometimes I'll put the, the, the audio scripture and just, just listen to scripture being spoken to me. And that's, that's how I want us to end this lesson. It's for us just to hear God's word on how he truly sees us. Now here's, here's the truth. There's really only two ways God sees us. First way is if you're outside of Jesus. Scripture says that if you're outside of Christ, God sees you as his enemy, as lost, as separated. That's a fact. But if you're in Jesus Christ, he sees you totally different as his friend, as connected, as a person who is found. And so I I don't know how you like to read Scripture or hear Scripture, but I just want us to, the the Scriptures are going to be up on the screen, but... We're just going to listen to these, these guys read these verses to us. I don't know how you do it, but I just like to close my eyes and close my Bible and just hear God's word confirm how he sees us. We're going to start in Ephesians 2, 13. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hebrews 10, 14. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. John 1.12 But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Psalms 32, 1 through 2, blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Romans 8, 37. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That word for condemnation means guilt. Therefore, there is now no guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of the looks that we receive are looks to designed to make us feel guilty. If you're in Jesus, that's not the look of heaven. It's not designed to push you away and to shame you and to guilt you. It's, it's to bring, invite you back into a relationship with him, to repent, to change, and to be connected again, which is what you always are in Christ Jesus. So I, I, don't, I don't know where you are. I don't know how you see yourself. I just want to encourage you how God sees you truly. You are valued. You are important no matter what you've done or where you are. And if you need to begin your journey anew in Jesus Christ to be forgiven and called as friends, do that this morning. Or if you need prayers of strength and encouragement to, to forgive yourself as he forgives you, can we offer an encouragement to you as we stand and sing an invitation song?